0: the message today comes from the Gospel of Matthew. And as I read it, I kept thinking of this terrible question, why does God let bad things happen to good people? Have you ever asked that question? Yeah. If you haven't wondered it yourself, you probably know somebody who has. I hear it often from people who are looking for help when they have reached the end of their rope, when it seems like life has dealt them more trouble than anyone deserves? And it's a fair question, but it's a difficult one to answer. It's the kind of question that Jesus would often use a parable to explain. And so today's Gospel reading comes from the 13th chapter of the Gospel According to Matthew. Now, this chapter contains a whole string of parables. The first one is about a sower who uh, scatter seed everywhere, kind of randomly. It's on all kinds of ground. But that parable is about the character of God. The seven parables that follow it are all about the kingdom of God. In today's reading, Jesus is still talking about planting. He's still talking about seeds. But in this one, something bad happens to a good farmer. So hear the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 13. We'll read verses 24 through 30 and then verses 36 through 43. Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. Friends, this is the good news, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few years ago, I met a young mother who had just lost her job. She got fired because she had missed too much work when her children were too sick to take to daycare. Without income, she couldn't pay her bills. And she was really worried that her utilities would be cut off or she would be evicted from her home. On top of that, her car had broken down. And she had no money for repairs. So without a car, she couldn't look for a new job. It just seemed like one thing had piled on top of another until she was overwhelmed with hardship. She felt like the world was out to get her. And she asked me, how can God let this happen? What have I done to deserve this? Now, that kind of a moment is probably not the time point out that none of us are good none of us deserve good (laughs) Um, all of us deserve far worse than we get out of life we are all broken sinners and it isn't usually a good time to go into a long explanation of theodicy which is that fancy theological word for the question why does god allow evil in the world people like this young mother don't come to a church or to a pastor looking for a judgmental sermon They come looking for a glimmer of hope. And the people who had gathered to hear Jesus tell his stories weren't much different. They had experienced oppression from Rome. Even among their own people, they had watched as the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. Life wasn't fair. How could God allow his people to continue to suffer while evil seemed to flourish around them? When would Messiah deliver them from this miserable existence and bring justice and judgment to Israel's oppressors? And yet here was Jesus looking and sounding very much like he might be the one they'd been waiting for Telling them stories about farming. Who cares about weed control when your world is falling down around your ears? But let anyone with ears listen, Jesus says. And we have to realize that these parables are more than just entertaining stories. How we hear them depends on the condition of our hearts and our minds wherever we may be in our journey of faith, these stories speak directly to us in whatever our current circumstance might be. Now, there are a lot of ways to interpret this parable of the weeds. At its most basic level, the story might just be about how difficult it is to tell weeds from wheat. For example, there is a plant called bearded darnel. Anybody know about this one? You do, I know, because you've heard the sermon before. Well, this is an annoying weed that looks a lot like wheat when they're both young. But it carries a poisonous fungus. So if it's harvested and ground together with the wheat, the resulting flour is spoiled and can't be eaten. As the grain matures, it's easy to tell the slender heads of bearded darnel from the fuller heads of wheat but by then, it's too late to uproot one without damaging the other. So, if we take this story at face value, we simply hear that pulling weeds can cause more harm than good, destroying the very crops we want to harvest later. But this story is probably about a little bit more than just a farming tip for weed control. The disciples ask for an explanation once they're alone with Jesus, and he spells out for them the metaphors that matter, identifying the main characters in this story. And if we aren't careful, we might get sidetracked by the things Jesus doesn't say. For example, he doesn't identify the servants, or later calls them slaves, of the landowner. Who are they? They must have been taking care of the field or they wouldn't have noticed the weeds popping up. But where were they when the enemy was out there sowing those weeds and sabotaging the crop? And then there's that enemy who sows the weeds and then just leaves. Jesus doesn't explain why anyone would behave like this either. We probably shouldn't concern ourselves too much with what Jesus doesn't say, but I think it might be good to remember that the field is God's and God will continue to nurture and care for his kingdom while the devil will do absolutely nothing to support or care for the seeds he sows. Keep that in mind. There are also varying interpretations of the field itself. While Jesus says it is the world Some consider his later explanation, where the angels collect the causes of evil and all evildoers out of the kingdom, as an indication that this is really about evil growing alongside faithful members of the church. But in this case, Jesus doesn't necessarily equate the church with God's kingdom. And we need to be really careful. That we don't get so self-centered that we think this story is about the evil that lurks inside each of us as individuals, although it does bring that to mind. Paul covers that in Romans 7. It's the chapter before the one we heard today for the Lexio Divina. He says, I do the evil things I don't want to do, and I don't do the good things that I want to do. I am wretched. Well, this brings us back to those troubling weeds, doesn't it? Why shouldn't we pull them if we see evil choking out the good around it? Why does Jesus say, leave them until the harvest? Well, there might be some pretty good reasons to leave weeds alone. Sometimes the weeds are just too big to be pulled. Their roots have intertwined with the roots of the good plants, and pulling one will also uproot the other. And sometimes what you thought was a weed is actually a good plant. And what you thought was a good plant is actually a weed. They aren't always easy to distinguish from one another. We aren't good at judging between wheat and weeds. And here's the good news. That's God's job anyway, not ours. Which brings us back to our first question. Why doesn't God do something now about the evil that we see everywhere? Where is judgment when you really need it? This is one of only three parables for which Jesus gives an explanation. And all three of them are right here in chapter 13. The parable of the sower that comes before this one about the good seed being spread lavishly on four types of soil. That one has an explanation. And then later in this chapter, verses 47 through 50, will give us the parable of the net, where the good fish are separated from the bad fish. So this parable in the middle of the weeds has something in common with each of those other two. We hear the connection with the first story in the seeds that are sown, and like the parable of the net, this story teaches us about judgment in the final days. Judgment will come, and evil will be destroyed, but not quite yet. See, this is the already not yet reality of Christ's kingdom kingdom has already broken into the world in the person of Jesus Christ and it's already at work among us through the holy spirit but the kingdom has not yet reached its completion the kingdom is becoming just like a seed becoming a plant as it grows in the field so we might wonder how can this be the kingdom of god if evil is still present And that might raise even more questions. Why do we still see racism in our society? Why is there still poverty? Why does disease still claim so many lives? And where is God in the midst of suffering? Why do people reject Jesus? Why isn't judgment happening? When will God get around to making things right? Theologian Klein Snodgrass writes, the kingdom comes with limitless grace in the midst of an evil world. The issue is one of identity. If we take our identity from the kingdom of limitless grace, how will that identity be lived out? It's almost like if we really want to understand this parable, we have to flip it. Instead of the weeds being sown among the wheat, The wheat is being sown among the weeds. So let me ask you, is your identity grounded in God's limitless grace? And do you extend that grace to others? Are you centered in Christ so that nothing can uproot you? And can anyone else tell whether you are weeds or wheat. Can they tell that by the way you live your life? And here's the one that gets to me. Do I let God be the judge of who belongs in God's kingdom? Like those field workers in the parable, whether you want to call them servants or slaves, we might think it's our job to pull the weeds to judge who is worthy to flourish in God's kingdom and who should be rooted out. But that's not our job. Judgment is God's job. And God will take care of removing evil in God's own good time. And these days, it sort of feels like God's own good time is getting nearer and nearer, that evil must have just about run its course in this weary world. And Judgment Day must surely be coming soon people have been saying that by the way for thousands of years well if it's the case jesus is encouraging us to have a more sense of urgency about the coming of judgment day see jesus didn't switch metaphors arbitrarily in the parable of the sower he described the abundant generosity of god Who sows seeds lavishly everywhere, even on soil where it might not flourish. And in today's parable, the soil is the world, and the children of God are the good seed being scattered with abandon. And they're being sent out to exponentially increase the kingdom of God while there's still time. Like the story of the sower, this story asks a question of generosity. Are we living out of good grain abundance, sharing generously to heal the world and increase God's reign? Or are we operating out of a mindset of scarcity like weeds, insisting on our own importance, getting our own way, taking whatever we can by whatever means? See, the good grain gives nourishment. The weeds take it. So which are you? Which am I? Are we robbing nutrients from the intended crop, or are we multiplying God's abundant mercy? How are we helping to right the wrongs and heal the brokenness of this world? And if you don't know quite how to answer that question, here's a hint. If you aren't actively engaged in working for the kingdom of God, You're working against it. There's no passive middle ground here. But here's the good news about parables. You can only push a metaphor so far before it stops making sense. We can't change ourselves from weeds into wheat any more than we can change ourselves from rocky, thorny ground into good soil. But Jesus can Jesus invites us to turn away from a mindset of scarcity into Christ's abundance, away from focusing on getting what we want toward receiving the infinite grace and forgiveness that God offers each and every one of us through Christ Jesus our Lord. We live here in the meantime in the already but not yet. The kingdom is becoming And Christ invites each of us to be part of that becoming. The kingdom comes with limitless grace in the midst of an evil world. As we receive that grace, we can offer it to others with the same kind of abundant generosity God has offered grace to us in the person of Christ. So take a moment to examine your own heart right now. Who have you already decided is a weed someone you might have excluded from fellowship in Christ's church? And who have you nurtured so their roots in faith are strong? Who has nurtured your own faith and helped you to grow in Christ. How can your life this week show others that God's kingdom is alive in you? Lord, sometimes it's hard for us to know if we are wheat or reeds in the field of your kingdom. We think we are living the way you want us to, but then we catch ourselves judging others. We catch ourselves thinking we are better than others, or that we think our opinions are more important than the opinions of others. Worst of all, we think our opinions are your truth. We turn away from those you've called us to love, Our lives fail to reflect your grace. Forgive us, Lord. Keep us mindful that you alone can judge a person's heart. You alone get to decide who's included in your kingdom. Remind us that our job is simply to keep growing, to let our roots go deep into your grace and to shine like the sun into lives that are stuck in darkness. Give us the humility to accept that your ways are not our ways, and your thoughts are not our thoughts. Point us toward loving you and each other, and the people you've placed us here to reach for your name's sake. We pray all these things in the power of your Holy Spirit, and in the strong name of your Son, Jesus Christ. As we enter into a season of prayer, I invite you to look again at the worship and song book, number 3164, as we sing down.